Welcome into the 11 Dubcast. I'm Johnny. He's Andy. We have lots of things to talk about today. The Ohio State men's basketball team is desperately trying to redeem themselves against Northwestern Wildcats. Apparently, we're actually recording while they're playing on Sunday evening. And right now, it's a pretty it's it's pretty tight. There's still a good bit to play in the second half. But right now, Ohio State's holding on to like a two-point lead. So we'll see how that plays out as we record this. Uh, we can we maybe can have an instant reaction right after the game is over, depending on when we finish this up. Um, before we get into everything else, I do want to mention uh, the passing Kobe Bryant and his daughter. Obviously, a, a tragedy and, and a huge you know impact on the sports world at large. Um, whatever you felt about Kobe Bryant as a player, a person, whatever, it, it's undeniable how incredibly important he was, not just to the sport of basketball, just, just sports in general in the United States. And you know, as a guy who you know, for me personally, I like, you know, came of age as a sporting entity, as somebody who paid attention to sports while Kobe Bryant was, um, you know, at his height, at his peak, you know, with Shaq and those Laker teams in the late 90s, early 2000s. And he was a huge part of how I thought about basketball. So to me, this is just devastating. Obviously, it's devastating for the Bryant family. I mean, uh, you know, especially considering he lost their daughter at such a young age, incredibly just terrible. Um, so, I, you know, like I said, all my all my thoughts and and just my sports feelings are out there for the the Bryant family because it just it's such a huge impact on so many people and it's it's a really bad day. It's yeah, just, so it's a weird day, you know, you know, because you're you're having to at the same time like think about the fragility of human life and yeah. you know, as I'm I'm a, I'm a guy who has you know a daughter that is I, I say it on an almost daily basis the center of my universe. So I'm just you know thinking about. Uh, the fact that he's crashed in this helicopter with his daughter, one one of four daughters, like that's the part that just really, you know, kind of the human element of it. Uh, and, and I grew up a Lakers fan too. I'm just old enough to remember watching Showtime Lakers with my dad and, and you know, dad, we just loved to watch those teams. So that was before sure. the, the Kobe era, obviously. But, you know, so having having that that fandom, I guess, from a young age, I think a lot of people you can just connect with, you know, that franchise and by extension, then it's players. They, they're almost, you know, kind of that if there was an America's team in the NBA, you know, you could make the case that over the, you know, the last uh, 40 years, that that would be the role the Lakers would play. And so he because he was the leading guy in that franchise for so long, you know, is it maybe an even more important figure than he would have been if he'd played somewhere else. Uh, and it's just a weird day then because you've got to, you're processing all of that. And at the same time, we're going to talk about a basketball game that's being played, you know, uh, as we speak, yeah. um, I'm going to finish recording and go watch, um, you know, a, a dual wrestling meet tonight and we need to write about those things. So it's kind of where I feel for people who are covering all of these sporting events across the country, because you're dealing with all of your own sports fandom things and right. you've got to put on your boots and, get to work and file some copy at the same time and, and the same with the players i mean you can see I oh mean, you, my you gosh watch, you watch More the so. video and stuff of of the nba players i mean obviously you know kobe bryant was so incredibly involved in the nba and you know the guy was only 41 he was he was basically you know aside yeah. from active players i would say he was probably the biggest international presence promoting american basketball in the world and um yeah i to see like you know the reaction of, like LeBron James and some of the other foreign players that Kobe had it, obviously they're devastated I just can't imagine having to go in and, and do your job basically no. on national television like that it's just it's really really tough so 
Um, hearts out to all them. And, and I hope that everybody in the Bryant family and, you know, everyone else and just take some measure of solace in knowing how uh, appreciated uh, Kobe was and how much I think people really enjoyed watching him play um, and, and just do his thing for so many years. Cause it really was pretty amazing to, to watch. Um, so that's, that's kind of our intro to that. And, and there's a lot of other things that, you know, we have to discuss here and it's unfortunate that we, you know, we need to start on that, but we do. Cause like I said, of the impact that Kobe Bryant had, um, last week, I promised during ask us anything that we would get to a question that I didn't have time for. And the reason why I didn't have time for it is because it was, it's really a, it's an involved question. It's one that I think will kind of start a little bit of a debate between uh, Andy and myself. And I'm, I'm actually really excited to ask Andy this because I think the answer to the question is actually fairly easy, but I'm curious to see if Andy will actually bring himself to say it. So that's why I wanted to do this. Um, so this is uh, this is from Bill. This is from our listener named Bill. Uh, and Bill wants to know, this is a hypothetical. All right, there's a coaching draft of all current head coaches and assistant coaches, i.e. no team has a coach, and uh, we're going to select new head coaches for each program. Ohio State inexplicably gets the first pick in this coaching draft. Who should Ohio State football pick? Wow, this is a uh, this is digging deep here, and, and and so we're stipulating active coaches. So so maybe that uh, that takes off the the do you go back and draft Urban Meyer question? Yeah, uh, yeah. Let's go let's back and go, go back and draft Jim Tressel because I might just go up to Youngstown and lay out the uh, lay out the <laughs> bank bank. For he's done. The, he's done. Yeah. He's, he's I, I mean, to me, I, I, part of me was like, oh, Ryan Day's the obvious answer, but no, it's I'm going to I'm going to. Tuscaloosa and I'm backing up the Brinks truck and I'm bringing Nick Saban back to the, uh, the Eastern corn belt. That, that, no question in my mind, give me a couple of years and maybe I'll change that and say, Ryan Day is mm-hmm. the obvious pick, but <laughs> I, uh, I, you might have a case to, to say, uh, Dabo, uh, you know, son of a preacher man swinning here, but I, I can't do it because I just really like to shoot that guy straight into the fiery gaseous ball at the center of our universe. So for me, it's Nick Saban. <laughs> Uh, let's let's go get it. The guy's lengthy period of sustained excellence, too hard to pass up. So I think Nick Saban is the correct answer. I, I agree with you. I think Nick Saban is the person that you want to go after, even though, you know, I, it looks like Davo has been the dominant force in college football coaching for the past few seasons. But just given the track record, I think you have to go with Saban. However, however. I don't think like again. I don't like Dabo at all. I for yeah. many of the same reasons why you don't like him. I just think he's smarmy. I think he's a snake oil salesman. But uh, hypocrite, there, huge, look, hip, biggest hypocrite in the sport. And there are lots of hypocrites in college football. And I agree with that. But here's here's what I'm saying, man. What do you care about? Does does that matter to you? If, let's say Nick Saban, who is what in his late sixties at this point. We don't know how much yeah. longer Nick Saban's going to be coaching. Dabo is in his early fifties. He's not that yeah. old. That's true. Uh, is that a consideration? Would you be like, oh, I don't know, Dabo to commerce? Is that that bad? You know, yeah, could I, mean, could I do it's, that? It's, it's a fair point because uh, Nick Nick's sixty eight years old. Yeah. Um. So you're you're right. That is, uh, and, he, and he's I don't been see, doing it and I don't see Saban coaching like Dan. I don't see a Snyder type thing where he's out there until like you know seventy five, seventy eight, something. Like that. I, I think I, mean, I feel like he'll do it as he's in a position to win titles. Like he's one of those guys that. I mean, the classic story was he's he's just won a title and he looks like he's miserable because he's already <laughs> thinking about recruiting the kids he needs to win the next one. And so he couldn't. Right. I mean, he couldn't take ten minutes to enjoy winning 
national title number, whatever it was. So that that's my thing. If he's still doing it at a high level, you know, but I don't think it's going to be one of those where, uh, you know, I become nine and three Nick and it's okay. I don't, sure. I don't see, I don't see him doing that, but you're, I mean, man, you're right. I'm looking <laughs> at some data and this is kind of fun. So Saban currently, um, career win loss record of 869, uh, you know, 0.869. So he's running almost 80, 87% of his games, two, 243 wins versus 65 losses for his career. Um, you know who has the highest <laughs> career winning percentage of, of uh, active coaches? I want to say Peterson, but I don't think that's it anymore. I think it's somebody else, isn't it? <laughs> it's Ryan Day, according to this little stat. Well, okay. well fair nine, enough. Nine, 941. I feel like there needs to be a minimum. There's got to be a minimum amount here. Te- before we start technically, Sean Clark of uh, Appalachian State is okay. uh, is batting a thousand right now because he's apparently just won one game. Must have been. I was about been to say. New coach for the bowl game. Must have been the new coach for the bowl game. I guess maybe. Um, yeah. They've got him listed. This little this little data chart sortable by column. I found he's going to be a thousand. But yeah, yeah, Coach Day is. Uh, of all active coaches uh, is, is one spot ahead of Nick Saban for, sure. for career win percentage. So that's kind of fun. But that's um, what I'm saying. Like if you asked Ohio state fans and you said, okay, well let's do this coaching draft. How many of them, I think a lot of them would reflexively say, yeah, Ryan Day. I want Ryan Day. Ryan Day all the way. And that may be a good answer. We just, I don't have enough data yet. That's what I'm saying. That's one exactly season what or one and a half season. I mean, I think, because the question, and you and I have talked about this a couple of times. The question is coaching hires. Yes. And, and second and third and fourth coaching staffs. You saw Urban Meyer get in trouble in Florida when his best assistant started getting away from him. And his worst years in Columbus and granting that worst is a relative term when you had the, you know, unbelievable winning percentage Urban Meyer had at Ohio state, but his worst years were the years where, you know, assistant leaves and he hires his best man or hires, you know, right. uh, an old buddy instead of going out and finding the best in the country. You know, the, the Tim Beck experiment, um, you know, as an example, like those were those were some pretty bad coaching hires in hindsight. So if Ryan Day avoids those kind of coaching hires, hey, so far looks pretty good, right? His first snap yeah. was excellent. I think we're probably OK with the Kerry Combs hire. Um, you know, bring bring Combs back home. That that worked in the past. It'll be interesting to see how he and Madison work together. But you know, give me two or three seasons. Lincoln Riley. Where do you put Lincoln Riley in this discussion? He's been an offensive genius. Um, he's a guy who's won a truckload of games. What what about Farmer Fran at LSU? There's a guy who uh, seems like he's got it all together. Dan Mullen at Florida. He's another guy that you might like. I mean, there's yeah. some pretty good, uh, pretty good coaches. But I feel like there's only two or three really exceptional coaches yeah. out there. And what's funny to me though, and the reason why I like this question so much is because a lot of the people you just mentioned are people that I think a lot of Ohio state fans would look at and go, no, absolutely not. Get him out of here. No way. I will not have one of those guys up in Columbus. And it's, it's just funny to me because ultimately it comes down to winning. Right. And if somebody's out there winning 14 games every single season, you will take a dude from the SEC who said, like, oh, Big Ten sucks, Ohio State can't recruit. You'll take that guy because you want to be the winner. And, like, I know Ohio State fans don't necessarily want to admit it, but that's essentially what they did with Ohio, with the Urban Meyer, yeah, right? That's right. That's right. The guy who beat them and showed them how to then win. And, I, you know, sometimes you have to make those concessions. So, again, I, you know, I don't 
I don't actually have a huge hatred for Nick Saban. I don't love Nick Saban. I don't have it. I I dig Saban because I get him. You know, like I understand why he is the way he is. It's not the way I am. It's not the way you are. I don't know that I think he's like a functioning human being so much as you know like a, like a robot kind of yeah but being from outer space program specifically to destroy other teams in college football but, right. but i get him it's almost like i know people hate on bill belichick it's the same thing i'm like i don't hate on bill belichick because i get it like that's that is his purpose in life right is to win football games and be a total shit at the podium in the post-game <laughs> press conference like that's it yeah and and I'm okay with it. You know, it's fine. You know, that's that's okay. Not everybody is going to be as entertaining as Mike Leach or Les Miles. So you know what? They get the job done. Now, if you're a jack wagon and bad at coaching, sorry, I can't deal with that. You've either right. got to be entertaining or good at coaching. You, you know, like there's there's got to be one of those things that you're good at. Right. And, you know, Nick Saban has, has skimped on the entertainment part, but he can definitely win some damn football games. Oh, some of his rants are entertaining in and of oh, themselves, true. you know, like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's entertaining. And it's here's the other thing I found really interesting. I went I was looking at um, career wins among active coaches. So you would assume that Saban would be pretty close to the top of that list. Yeah. So sure. most wins among active coaches. There's one coach who has more wins in the active roster than Nick Saban. Any guesses as to who it is? God, I feel like I should know this. Um, the answer may surprise you. Only one coach that has more wins on the active roster. That would be my Peterson guess. Ooh, so close. Peterson's number three, and it's actually okay. not close. Saban comes in at 243 career wins. This isn't just at uh, Alabama. This is all sure. total career. Uh, Patterson um, is at 172. So I mean, you're you're pretty. There's a pretty big gap okay. between number two and it. number three. Yeah. Um, Les Miles, close, close. He is uh, about let's see, wasn't it three, four, five, six? Number six okay. at 145 wins. You're gonna have to go. Have okay, we're going oh, to yeah. go to the Atlantic Coast Conference of all places. Okay, and we are going to dial up Mr. Mac Brown with 251 oh, career right. wins. There you go. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. That's right. I, now, I totally forgot about Max' that. career percentage um, is not good compared to no. those guys you were just guessing. He's a career six sixty two guy. Um, you know, having just finished uh, seven and six at North Carolina this season, where Saban his career percent, his Alabama percentage. I said earlier was eight sixty nine. His career, including his stint in the Big Ten, seven eighty nine. Still pretty good. Patterson yeah. seven fourteen, and uh, my man Les Miles at six ninety four. Interesting. Not um, bad. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, it's interesting to me, just like I said, how this works out. Now, here's my secondary question to what um, Bill asked, which is if you were picking assistant coaches, is there a particular assistant coach that you would pick first for your team? Assistant coach. <laughs> Good question. You know, is there a positional coach or? Yeah. Like okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> See, here's now we're going to go back to my, my, the problem that you raised with my answer of reflexively picking Nick Saban. So my answer would be Larry Johnson, because I think he is the absolute pinnacle for a positional coach. And we'll skip coordinating for for a minute, just because I think if I was going a position coach who is better than everybody else in the business at his job, to me, it'd be very clearly Larry Johnson. However, the issue is, I mean, remember a year or so ago, people were speculating whether or not LJ would be ready to hang up his spurs. So maybe the smart answer there is Brent Venables at Clemson. Um, I don't know enough about him to know if I feel like he should be on the rocket ship that blasts Dabo into the sun. 
but uh, <laughs> let's pretend he just doesn't have a personality. And I'll say that's my guy because he's been pretty darn good at his job for the past uh, few seasons for sure. Yeah, I would. You know what? Venables, I think, is a good choice. Clemson has been in the top like 10 or five defensively pretty much for the past like five years. And yeah. it, no matter what, you know, people who have come in, left, whatever, he's been able to maintain that pretty well. Uh, which, you know, if you look at some of the other teams who have been in the top 10 defensively, it, it rotates a lot. Now, I will say Ohio State has been very, very consistent in that despite coaching turnover. And in fact, in 2019, had statistically the best defense in America, which is kind of insane considering yeah. you know, 2018. Uh, so I think a lot of props have to go to Halfley, but obviously he is a head coach now. And Madison, right, who maybe yeah. doesn't get the uh, the props that he actually deserves. Um but yeah, I don't know. I just think that's a it's a fascinating conversation. It's interesting to me just because of the biases that you know we kind of inherently have as Ohio State fans, particularly towards certain coaches in the South, which again I think are pretty. I think for a lot of ways warranted and justified. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's just it's a it's a fun thing to think about. I think. Uh, speaking of fun things to think about. <laughs> we, <laughs> we at 11 warriors have been putting out you know kind of a decade in review kind of thing we've been looking back at the last 10 years of ohio state sports we've been you know figuring out you know what the biggest games are and the biggest losses most important players all that kind of stuff what ifs um and we had one today uh the top 20 buckeyes of the 2010s and i don't there was this is a difficult thing to, dan Look, we on Slack, right? On our inter uh, inter website writer chat software Slack, where we've been debating and talking about this. Uh, you know, Dan basically was like, "Okay, we need some help with this," and people have been asking for input for various lists that they've created. I don't know how Dan put this together. You've got to look at you know what dozens of varsity sports in Ohio State. Try to figure out who are the most impactful people in them, including things that nobody follows or pays attention to, like synchronized swimming or pistol, and then rate them against other players who play football and basketball. I think that is just a very difficult ask, and I, I really think that uh, Dan did an excellent job with this list. So what? how do you feel? Look, at number one, right? Number one is a wrestler. Number two is a wrestler. How do you feel about that? Do you think that's warranted? I think it's, I think it's warranted. And Dan and I actually had a lengthy conversation. One of the reasons I love Dan Hope is I, I just think he's one of the best writers um, in, in the business. I call, him, I, I call him the beat King puts out pound for pound more content than any guy in the business. And it's and great. It's, it's, it's all great. always, yeah, he's not a content mill. No, he, 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 cause it's every piece is fantastic. And one of the things I really envy him is that he was able to, I think 37, varsity teams when you count men's and women's i mean that, that that's just yeah. mind-blowing and to be able to incorporate all them so i think he got the top two right the question that he and i talked about at length was do you flip number one and number two so the argument between kyle snyder at number one and logan steber at number two is logan steber did something that only four human beings have ever done and that's when four ncaa wrestling championships four guys have ever done it that's it and at the same time, then, of course, because because um, he was so dominant, um, particularly his senior season, he wins the Hodge Trophy, which is often referred to as the Heisman of, of college wrestling. Right. Um, Kyle Snyder only won three NCAA tournaments, not four, and uh, did not win the Hodge Trophy. Now, the reason perhaps you could say that Snyder, in, in, aside from losing um, the NCAA finals his freshman year, um, the reason that you don't see Snyder maybe... 
uh, as higher up the list as an NCAA wrestler alone is he just didn't wrestle all that many matches compared to Logan because he was so focused on international freestyle wrestling. Um, you know, he won three world titles, including an Olympic gold medal in the span of three years. His 2015 to 2017 run was just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And, and that was the reason that we, we ultimately gave Snyder the nod because he won in the span of about 12 months a an NCAA title, a world title, and an Olympic gold medal, all, all in basically a year's time. Yeah, um, and I, doing all this basically be, younger than twenty years of amazing age. years any play any athlete Ohio State has ever had. I mean, yeah. you could compare. We were on the Dubcast. We were comparing that to like you know Jesse Owens type stuff. Which yeah, again, right. I don't think anything can top what Jesse Owens did in certain periods of his career. Right. Uh, not just from like a historical stance, but you know, setting world record. I mean, that's that that's it's a little hard to overcome. Yeah. Uh, when you're trying to follow that, but I think it's in the same conversation. So to me, I agree. I think that that year that he had is just mind-boggling. I mean, as the as the resident wrestling guy, I struggle with this question because there, there's a part of me that says, you know what, um, Logan Steber belongs on the Mount Rushmore of of Ohio State athletes. You know, I'd say, sure. okay, it's 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 uh, Jesse Owens, it's uh, Archie Griffin, it's uh, Jack Nicholas and it's Logan Steber. And, and right. maybe you have an argument that say, okay, Jack's, Jack's accomplishments were all, uh, I shouldn't say all, but professional accomplishments. So you'll sub him out and put Jerry Lucas in because Jerry, um, you know, to me is kind of the epitome of Ohio state basketball and won the Olympics and won an NCAA mm-hmm. title and did the kind of things we were just talking about sure. Snyder doing as a collegiate. So maybe that's your Mount Rushmore. But but you come back to and as much as I I probably might personally buy into the argument that you put Logan at the top of that list, I still look and say Snyder's accomplishments at at the same time he was a college athlete, even though they were international freestyle accomplishments, not necessarily Ohio State athlete accomplishments. He's still doing all that while he's representing the Buckeyes in scarlet and gray. That's got to count for something. Yeah, I agree. It's it. They've both had insane, amazing careers for Ohio State. And it's, you know, it's, it's kind of amazing that they, you know, one just kind of follows right after the other, right? You know what I mean? Like, that's, to me, that's just kind of mind-boggling. So, um, the other, you know, the other things when you look at this, you think about the other people who are on this list. And, and uh, obviously, they're not all big names, right? Like, at Nicholas Zerzin, uh, Zerzin, I can never pronounce his last name correctly. Uh, but men's volleyball, um, national player of the year, MVP, Ohio State, all this other stuff, set school records and blah, blah, blah. People don't know that he had this insane, amazing career at Ohio State unless you're like one of the people who are reading the non-rev stuff that we do on our site and actually yeah. paying attention to that. But you should be because that's what I'm talking about. When somebody has an incredible career like that, I think it behooves us to pay attention. Same with like Kelsey Mitchell. Kelsey Mitchell – Again, I think some people were maybe disappointed in Kelsey Mitchell's career because she didn't will Ohio State to NCAA championship, you know, wins or victories, you know, like won national championships. But as for herself, uh, she just had one of the most remarkable careers as a uh, women's basketball player at Ohio State. Um, and there's just there's a lot of people like that who just did incredible, amazing things. Blas Rolla, an unbelievable tennis player. Um, I, I really, I mean, again, I'm not a huge tennis guy, but I really, really enjoyed watching, you know, his career and following it a little bit. Um, and then you put in guys like Jared Soldier and Ezekiel Elliott and Chase Young and Braxton Miller, and you put all those guys in between the other people in that list. 
And it's really hilarious to see what people's reactions are. Cause I don't know how you like, I don't know. I, it's very difficult a to quantify all this stuff and B for me to understand how people get annoyed about how we tried to quantify this stuff. Cause it's impossible. It's impossible. There's so many great achievements at Ohio state in the last 10 years. And it's, you can't recognize everybody or put them in the correct order. Especially I mean, it was when perfect. It's like rowing and pistol into it. I mean, these pair of tweets, uh, you know, kind of encapsulate the challenge here uh, on one hand. I really like what, uh, Tony had to say. He said, good to see the Olympic sports get their due here and credited Eleven warriors. He says, uh, 11W has always done a great job of reminding Buckeye Nation that there are sports beyond the revenue drivers. Amen, Tony. And I think I think that's one of the things I'll give credit to um, to, to you and Jason, the other long term leaders of the site credit for is, is saying, you know what, there are more than two sports at Ohio State and we're going to cover them because somebody needs to. And yeah. uh, most most outlets um, covering the Buckeyes focus on football let's say 90 percent of the time and basketball maybe 10 percent of the time or you know maybe, maybe okay maybe it's not quite that skewed but football clearly is what drives the conversation sure. so so i like tony's comment but then you scroll down like three comments later and uh, and martin says some of these football players are way too low this could possibly be and i quote the worst list i have ever seen in my entire life <laughs> of any list that he has ever read <laughs> ever about anything this is the worst one there is no Martin, I admire your passion, but come on, man. I've seen some pretty skanky lists in my time, and this one is yeah. nowhere near the top. <laughs> there's been, yeah, I, it's I, I, it's funny how passionate people get about this stuff because there's just really no quantifying some of the things uh, that people do. But I'm I, I'm glad that you appreciate that because to me that is an intentional choice that we make, and it's not just because you know it's good business to say, hey, we cover all Ohio State sports, and we're not just going to focus on one particular thing. Uh, to kind of help yourself, you know, get ingratiated with the university. But it's also, I think, important because, you know, it's still athletic competition. It's still a lot of work that people are doing, and that deserves to be recognized. And especially when you have nationally, you know, relevant players and teams that are really going out there and dominating. Why wouldn't you talk about that? It's fun to talk about Ohio State winning. It doesn't matter what the sport is. Yeah. It's fun to talk about when they're kicking ass. So that's why we do it. Um, so yeah, I'll, I have no problem putting out an article or two about, you know, the synchronized swimming team winning another national championship, because that's awesome. That's, it's fun when Ohio State wins championships. Well, and, um, and I love articles like this and what Dan did with this one, because, you know, Dylan made the, made the point in the comments, uh, on the site. Um, you know, he says, uh, um, some of it's pretty simple. We can even use the example. He said that uh, the wrestler in this case, and I see we were talking about Kyle, is better at wrestling than everybody else is. Um, and so that, that's the way it should be. But he, he put this one out here. So there's really no way to prove this. But he said, I think Braxton Miller's a better football player than Jared Sullinger is a basketball player. So, okay, that's an interesting conversation. Like, and sure. I, we should have had Dan on maybe to talk about how he did the rankings. And I know we talked about it a bit in Slack as a, as a team as to, mm -hmm. you know, how he slated different guys where they went but um yeah it's there there are few correct quote unquote answers um i know you have some hot takes about where the boza boys uh, should yeah. or shouldn't have ranked versus other players and that's what makes all this fun you know sports should be to some extent you know a bit of a, a bit of a release uh maybe a bit of escapism from you know your 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 real world so to speak work's got you right. down it's all right put on the game you know root for your team and uh it doesn't have to all be perfectly logical and, and rational. It's why fan is short for fanatic, you know, cause we're all right. a bit crazy when it comes to rooting for our team.
I just think, I don't think there's anything wrong with lists. I enjoy the list because it just starts a conversation as long as people just don't take them too seriously. Cause it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's just, it's just fun. It's fun conversation. And honestly, recognizing uh, players and teams that don't normally get recognition. That's a good thing. That's a, that's a good thing to do. So I appreciate that. Uh, speaking of wrestling and non-ref sports a little bit, we, you know, <laughs> I, I made the prediction. I think that I, that Ohio State was going when, you know, beat Iowa soundly. And obviously that didn't happen. Um, but my question is, what are some positives that Ohio State wrestling Andy can take away from, uh, you know, getting skunked a little bit at Iowa? Maybe not unsurprisingly, but there were some there were some good things that happened there. Yeah, this this was a big duel. So Friday night uh, last week, the uh, Hawkeyes hosted the Buckeyes at Carver Hawkeye Arena. I've not yet had the chance to take in a duel meet at Carver Hawkeye, but it is consistently one of the all-time great venues in college wrestling. Um, I, I don't know if people really understand how big wrestling is in the state of Iowa, but they turned out something like 13,000 people. It was pretty close to a capacity crowd uh, for this duel Friday night to, to watch the Buckeyes. I was having a once-in-a-decade season. The last time they had a team this good was 2010 when they won the NCAA tournament. And I'd say at this point, they're the prohibitive favorite to win it again. Penn State's kind of having an off year and I say off given that they've won, you know, three, four, what are we up to three or four NCAA titles in a row. Right. Um, they basically won them all except one since Iowa's last one in 2010 and Ohio state won the one that Penn state didn't. So this is going to, going to be that year that somebody other than Penn state wins it. And I think it's pretty clear. It's going to be Iowa. They have 10 men ranked in the top 10 of their respective weight classes. It's pretty good. 10 out of 10. Yeah. Now pretty Ohio good. state has qualified 10 for the NCAA tournament a few times um, and had a, a shot here a year or so, a couple of years ago where they could have legitimately had 10 all Americans. They, they ended up with eight. I think Iowa has a really good shot to end up with 10 all Americans um, and, and maybe no fewer than nine. Now I told you they have 10 ranked in the top 10. Nine of those 10 are ranked in the top four of their respective weight classes. That's how, that's how good they are. That's so ridiculous. here are the good takeaways. It pretty much went to script. Luke Pletcher wins. He's number one in the country uh, at 141 pounds. And if Ohio state fans haven't watched Luke wrestle this year, you should do that. He's right. really taken a leap. His senior season is his best um, to date by far. Uh, Colin Moore, also number one in the country for Ohio state at 197 pounds wins his match pretty handily. And then the big kind of pleasant um, revelation of the night was that Sammy Sasso, who is currently ranked number six in the country at 149 pounds, upstate, uh, upsets Iowa's number one ranked Pat Lugo, who is a, a senior. Yeah, senior and to that point was undefeated at 149. So it was a, it was a great match. Um, ended up as a two-to-one decision. Basically, neither guy was able to score a takedown in regulation. So they go into what's called sudden victory. Sudden victory is just, we call it sudden victory instead of sudden death, but it's the same thing. Neither guy scores in the 60 second sudden victory period. So then they go into what are called the tiebreakers. Basically each guy gets a turn to start on top. Um, so in wrestling, you have the top position, the bottom position, you know, one guy is basically in control or covering the other guy. Um, and you score a point by escaping off the bottom and if you can ride your man out for 30 seconds and then escape when it's your turn to be on bottom, you're going to win the match. And that's exactly what Sammy did. He escaped from nice. um, the first tiebreaker period to make it a two to one match and then was able to ride out Lugo for the entire 30 second period. 
it was not without controversy. The Iowa fans um, were certainly a bit raucous, but it was a really great match. And there is a good chance if Sasso beats um, number four Brayton Lee at Minnesota Sunday night, which is is going to happen about an hour after we finish this um, recording. That's what I was we got, we yeah, got another yeah. one up right now with yep. Minnesota. So if uh, if Sasso beats Lee, so he will have defeated number one and number four in the same weekend. Pretty good chance he vaults, if not all the way to number one, to within the top two. Um, that would be fantastic, and, and would be deservedly so. He'll have the best resume in the country at one forty one if he one forty nine if he does that. So cool. Well, we'll definitely, yeah, we'll definitely keep an eye out for that because that's, I think that would be a really cool narrative going in, especially, you know, towards the the latter part of the season. That would be really just interesting to see how that evolves. But guys are rounded into form, right? March is when wrestling yeah. really matters the most because you have the Big Ten tournament will be um, contested at Rutgers this year in early March. And then two weeks later, NCAA championship at, um, what do they call the Vikings? stadium now it's uh i remember yeah i don't remember what it's called whatever football stadium the vikings play in in minneapolis is where the ncaa wrestling tournament will be um in in late march so yeah that's when it really matters and this team's i think is rounding into form pretty nicely got a few holes in the lineup that we haven't had in in years past but the guys um who i think have a legitimate shot to be all americans are are coming on pretty nicely down the stretch nice uh, so that's like I said, that's awesome. That's something we'll definitely have to, you know, stay on top of because I it's it's cool to see that. I like the evolution of teams. It's always my my thing to really keep an eye on, just you know, how teams get better or change over the course of a season. Um, let's go ahead and do ask us anything. Before we do that, though, we just want to remind you that the eleven dubcast is sponsored by the dry goods store at eleven warriors.com. Drygoods.elevenwarriors.com. We do have a few more ask us anything this week that we need to get into. Uh, the first one is from our good friend Alvin. And um, so let's say that, you know, players can profit off of their likeness. Do you think that, you know, let's say players in the NCAA can profit off their likeness. Do you think that will have a significant impact um, or maybe like, I don't know, attract players more? to places like big market cities you know what i mean like let's say a student or a a player thinks that they can maximize their earning potential right uh do you think that they might try to go to a place that'll get them in like the new york market or the la market or something like that do you think that'll be an impact or (laughs) you and i were chuckling a couple weeks ago when we were talking about recruiting in in usc and just how badly usc's done and, and i think of usc when you're talking about kind of the big media markets Sure. I don't think of a college team in the, say, the New York media market that makes me think, oh, yeah, man, they're really going to turn it on. Um, is Rutgers suddenly going to be good because they can, you know, get get a kid um, access to the New York market from, from eh, yeah, I don't see that. What I think will happen is it'll take some of the stuff that happens in the shadows, Clemson's Army of Bagmen, as an example, and maybe it'll bring it out and, and legitimize it to some extent that yeah. – you know, they can just say, hey, you know what, all our stud defensive linemen have endorsement deals or have, you know, they're able to, um, you know, do commercials for the local Chevy dealership or wh- wh- wherever they're going to funnel that money. You know, maybe it maybe it brings it out of the shadows instead of it being somebody's, you know, third uncle uh, at the church doing a deal, you know, what, whatever happens right. now. So that that to me might actually be a good thing, uh, but I don't think it'll change the dynamics as as far as who the big players are in the sport because schools like Ohio state and Clemson and Alabama and LSU and Oregon 
are going to continue to have the same assets and resources that they yeah. have now. It's not going you're not going to suddenly see, you know, Kent State be like, "Hey, you know what? We can really compete now with these right. uh, Power 5 teams because we're able to do profit off your likeness." Like that's not going those things, those dynamics aren't going to change. Right. And the other thing is, is that it's not so much about like where you are as it is, you know, your reach, right? It, ge- geography doesn't really matter when the internet exists, if that makes sense, when it comes yeah, to marketing sure. yourself. So I, I think players will just take advantage of what they got where they're at and that's fine. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't see it being a huge factor in, in you know, where a player might want to play this one. Uh, this next one here is from Matt. This is an interesting question. So Matt has a question about the, um, about fight the team, the song, right? Uh, so he says, uh, this year I put together a new OSU playlist for game days. And one of the songs has the band singing fight the team. And I realized I've been singing the wrong lyrics for nearly 20 years. Uh, the real line is hit them hard and see how they fall while I've been seeing set them up and see how they fall. This is an incredibly important distinction, by the way, that <laughs> really needs to know. Uh, I tried Googling my version and cannot find a single reference to it. So I'm hoping that maybe during your time as an OSU fan, you have, no, you have heard my version and confirmed that I'm not just senile at 38. <laughs> have you heard Andy, uh, have you heard set them up and see how they fall? I'm, I mean, I'm yes, like I'm having the same moment now. I've never heard actually. that. I've always heard. I have always heard it. Hit them hard and see how they fall. That's always how I. No, heard. no, I can't I'm. I can't. I, I, so we're we're of the same age. So this is not a Mandela thing. Like I, I, I'm sorry. But, I've never heard that. But you, but you said he's 38, right? 38. I'm 37. So what? No, so, wait, wait. Am I 38 now? No, maybe I am 38 now. So okay. So that tears yeah, right. it at the time. Right. At the time we were learning, we need to get, we need to get like the official university historian on the field because I'm, <laughs> Jack I'm almost certain those are the same lyrics I've said. It's set them up and see how they fall. I have not heard like, that. Like I always pictured them being like bowling pins or something. <laughs> That's all right. Well, then we gotta really... we'll get a on Jack Park and we'll see if he yeah get Jack. Like, I don't know. That's weird. so. At some point must maybe when we were like going to freshman orientation they <laughs> rolled out the wrong lyrics i hey, don't Neutron know Neutron man That's was at weird. my freshman orientation so i refuse to believe that he or anyone else in his presence said those lyrics incorrectly i always heard his hit them hard see how they fall that's all i'm saying wow wow yeah Let's that's weird. That. i'm gonna put that out there so we can we'll we'll do a you little are, you are not crazy you are not crazy my friend so. i think you are crazy matt i'm sorry well, if you uh, are, we're crazy together because I'm right there with you. <laughs> uh, this last one's from Alvin again. Alvin wants to know who has a more successful season next year, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss or Mike Leach at Mississippi State? What do you think? Oh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Uh, that is a fun one. Wow. All I know is that game's going to be a lot more entertaining than it used to be. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's going to be hilarious. Where did they finish it? Where did they finish the season? Uh, their respective, which um, I think it's at Ole Miss. I could be wrong about that. Oh, so is Kif- Kiffin's the one? His school is the one where the dude got fired because the guy peed like a dog in the end zone. Yes, correct. But they would have won that game. They were winning that game prior to that incident. Is that how that went? Yeah. Like, well, I, yeah. I'm trying I to figure. I'm trying to think about which one of them is inheriting the smaller dumpster fire. Like that's the, well, see in terms of like, okay. So in terms of actual playing talent, I think it's probably Lane Kiffin as the smaller dumpster fire that he's yeah. dealing with. 
Um, I think in terms of maybe institutionally, Mike Leach mm. is going to get whatever he wants from Mississippi State, and they'll be like, okay, do it, do your thing. But I don't think he has the players. So I, I actually think – I really do think that uh, Lane Kiffin, A, is probably a better coach, honestly, at this point in his career uh, than Mike Leach, as much as I enjoy Mike Leach opening his mouth and saying dumb crap. Um, but, yeah, I think it's – I think Lane Kiffin has a pretty solid advantage right now in coaching and in talent. So Well, the other thing I'll say, too, you know, Kiffin's – Kiffin's been around, obviously he's, he's coached in the sec. So he, he has an idea of what he's getting into there, sure. uh, you know, both, both head coach and assistant coach. So, so, I mean, he's got some, some experience there, um, where Leach has been away from the deep South, uh, for, for a while. Right. So right. did, is he ever coach Leach ever coach in the sec anywhere? I'm trying to think where he was. No, I don't prior think so. to ascending. To I mean, the, he was, Texas air raid guy, so right. I'm like, and that's not really ever been. That's the other thing too, is I think his style of offense. I'm going to be really curious to see how that plays, um, you know, against Desi because the the knock on these air raid teams has always been that they can never seem to find a competent defense, right? right. So I mean, you, even looking at Oklahoma, uh, where they just have these prolific offenses and their defenses have consistently been flaming piles of dog poo so uh i have a hard time seeing how that's going to play um yeah i'd probably i'd probably give kiffin the edge there also because he's probably he's probably getting into just a better just a better situation on the field in general i think he's gotten a lot better as a coach in general i I think he knows yeah credit to him what he was doing in in florida there because i mean he's had a pretty successful run Uh, i mean at this stage in his career people know what they're getting so it's not like oh we're just taking a chance because of his name or because of whatever you know like you there there had to be some serious reflection to say Yeah. yeah you know what he's he's kind of turned this thing around and and deserves another shot yeah, I agree. Uh, by the way, instant reaction to this: uh, Ohio State just beat Northwestern seventy-one to fifty-nine. Uh, usual suspects scoring some points, except just our our very good friend that we just had not heard from in a long time. Justin Aaron's pops out of here and scores uh, twelve points, goes four for five from three. That that is a positive sign. Now again, Northwestern not a good team. Nope. Uh, they're six and 13 on the year. Not great, but this is a win Ohio state had to get and they just got it. And it's, I think there's some positive things you can take from that. So yeah. yeah and, I mean, the defense, you know, was, was as they've been and it's, you need these wins. This is going to be a stretch where they can pick up some really crucial wins. It's still going to be difficult, but they, yeah, they got to get those. So. And I think there was, um, there was a, a time early in their careers where you could have, uh, you know, if somebody said, oh, Wesson did this and you could say, well, was it the good Wesson or the bad Wesson? Um, <laughs> and I got to give props to Andre Wesson. He's kind of been he's kind of been uh, you know, a, a, an MVP of this squad over this you know, this uh, by far the most consistent player. He's been doing a great- nasty stretch they've had. Uh, so you got to get props to that guy making yeah. making the most of a bad situation. Uh, still, you know, have questions about their their ability to handle the ball at times right. and uh, bring the ball down the floor and make, make some offensive things happen. But, you know, DJ Carton had his best game in quite a while. Um, so yeah, good, good, good job for the good guys to go and get in the right side of the win loss column for a minute. Yeah. So that was, that's some good news. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully see that they continue this in the, uh, the duel against Minnesota here in a few minutes. And then obviously in the next few games against Indiana and, and whatnot, uh, and basketball coming up here. So we will return next week to dissect that and talk all about it. Uh, until then, I'm Johnny. 
And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time.